So let's open up in prayer. Lord, we ask you to bless this time as we look at your word. I ask you to guide and lead us as we see what you'd want us to see from this. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke 1, 26 through 38. And in the sixth month, the angel of Gabriel was sent from God unto a city in Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail you that are highly favored, the Lord is with you, blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this was. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and his name shall be called Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then Mary said unto him, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered her and said, The Holy Spirit will come over you, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Therefore also the holy thing which is in you, which shall be born of you, shall be called the Son of God. And behold, your cousin Elizabeth, she also conceives a son in her old age, and is also in her sixth month with her, who is called barren. For with God nothing is, shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold your handmaiden, the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I just want to look at the story of Mary. You know, because this is, the church has had trouble on what to do with Mary over all these years. There, there are groups and denominations that put her way too high. You know, that she's super special and above all other people. And there's the other side of the movement that goes way down too low, that she was nothing special at all. Now, I am closer to the nothing special at all, but I know that she's important as well. So, but I do not place her extremely important. Now, the first part was that the angel appeared to Mary. Why Mary of all the young girls in Israel? You know, what, was, what was it that, that brought, her to, that brought the angel to her? Was she super, super saint, you know, woman of the woman of the, the clan of David? I don't think so. One of the things was she was of the line of David. So that did limit it. There was only a certain couple tens or thirty or thousand of women who were eligible to be the mother of Jesus. And I don't believe that she was, you know, a great sinner, but neither was she super saint. Why? Because the angel said, you that are highly favored. Highly favored, if you take it to the Greek, is encompassed with grace. What was, why was she picked? Because of God's grace. God's grace. Now, there must have been, you know, something. You know, and the, the, what we know about Mary is she was very, very young by our standards in today's world. She was somewhere between 12 to 17 years old when she gets this announcement, which in our mindset, our mindset says, ah, it's way too young to be a, be a wife. In their day and age, if you made it to 20 without being married, you were, you were an old maid and probably never going to get married. All right. So it was normal for her to be espoused at that age. All right, so we do know that she was very young, and an angel shows up to you. How would you, even at our age, how would you like an angel to show up at your house uh, or your room? Because we don't know where this angel met her, but she's by herself, which is going to be a shock to her to see an angel. 
And this message to her is one that is going to be shocking. And the angel says to her, you are favored. You have grace. One of the great things we need to understand is when God calls us to serve him, it's for the same reason he called Mary. It's for the same reason he called Noah. It's for the same reason he called David. Because of God's grace. Noah, stood, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Mary found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It's very more poetic here. But each time God moves in somebody's life, it's because of grace. Because if we earned it, we would have this habit of saying, look what I have done. You know, I was so special that God picked me to be able to go do this really special thing. And God always works by his grace. Now, he will use your skills, your talents, whatever you might have. So I'm not saying that Mary was a total, you know, total sinner or totally bad. But she, God touched her because of his grace. She was a virgin. She was of the line of David. And so he was able to be able to use her. And he knew that he would get her to Bethlehem for the birth of this child. And, you know, this is pretty an amazing thing. She lived in Nazareth. The baby's going to be born in Bethlehem. At a time when people did not move around very much. All right. Uh, Several hundred miles to get from Nazareth to, to Bethlehem for this baby to be born in the right place. And we'll look later on on how God managed that, which we all know the story. But, you know, God managed to put her in Bethlehem at the right time for this baby to be born. And... The why on this is so important because I really want us to understand why does God choose people? You know, uh, we had that video on there and I didn't even realize that the video fits into what I'm talking about. She goes, I never dreamed of going to, to tell other people. I never dreamed of going to other countries. I never dreamed of learning another language. Think back on your life. What has God asked you to do that you never dreamed that you would do? That you never thought you would do in your lifetime? If you're new in Christ, maybe you haven't had a chance yet to have to get called to do something that you're, that you're going to uh, be surprised that you've done. But you know, this is very important. God calls us, and we get to step out, and he calls us by grace. And I don't think that God will use us very often and go, well, I think I'm going to be the greatest missionary in the world, and I'm just waiting for God to do it, and I'm going to do everything I can to do it. I don't think God's going to use you if you have that kind of an attitude. I have watched over the years that God touches people and you're looking at God saying, God, you put that person in charge of this mission? You put that person in it because of his grace? And then you watch God give people the power to do what it is that he's called them to do. So my encouragement for us is let's look at ourselves. What is God calling us to do? Sometimes I look and say, God, we're such a small church. What can we do? But you know what? If God gives us a vision, we're going to step out in that vision and say, God, it's up to you or what, what you want to do with it. Because if he says do it, then he's got to equip that vision. And I'm looking forward to whatever this little tiny church can do. You know, we already reached the world with the, with the, pod, with the Internet uh, broadcast. But I think there's going to be more that God's going to ask us to do. I really do. I think there's going to be some things that God says, you get out and do these things and reach out. And we're going to see what God has to do because by grace, he calls us when we don't see how we can do it. And then he equips us. What is it? What did the angel said that the 
the Almighty will overshadow you. He will come upon you. And how this happened, we don't know. There's all kinds of speculation, but Mary became pregnant by God's child. And Jesus was born, the fancy word in the Greek is the anthropos, the God-man. Now, most of the people would think, well, he was half God, half man. You know, by the definition that we are taught in the scripture, he was all God and all man. Now I'm a mathematician, and you tell me that he was all God and all man, that's kind of hard for me to understand how 100% and 100% equals 100% of two different items. <laughs> but that's what God says, and why can God do it is because he's God. He can be 100% God and 100% man. And this is going to be one of the greatest thought process. When did Jesus know that he was God is a debated question all the time. Did he know as an infant that he was God? Because he had all of God's power, all of God's knowledge in him. But he still had to learn to speak and walk and, and all these other things that kids had to learn to do. You know, um, was it at 12 years old when he was in the, at the temple debating and talking with the, the scribes and the Pharisees? We don't know. All we know is that he was 100% God. And with all the power of God in that little baby that is totally at process there. And it says to him that God will overshadow. And then the angel told her, nothing is impossible with God. Does that resonate with you? Do you realize that nothing is impossible with God? We want to really think about that. If God asks us to do something, what do we look at? Nothing is impossible with God. Jesus said it on several occasions. Paul said it. It's all through the scripture. Nothing is impossible with God. And we want to think about that for just a moment because what would we think impossible? God started creation with nothing. Now that would seem like an impossible task. I'm going to create everything out of nothing. Now, it's really amazing if you, you're into science in our day and age and they tell you that evolution, that everything started from from nothing. Uh, there was this great big explosion. That or, that or we have an oscillating universe that gets big and then collapses back into a little pinhole and then blows up again and forms into a nice organized thing. I've never seen too many things blow up and get organized, but that's what science tries to teach us, that you know, the, the universe exploded and, and organized itself. You know, and you're looking at them going, are you guys crazy? And yes, they are crazy because they're trying to do things without God. And but God started everything in this world with nothing. All he did was speak. And everything started. If God can do that, and he did, what is impossible with God? You know, and I love this thought process. I've talked with people and they go, you know, do you, do you ask God for help? They go, well, I'll ask him for the big problems. And I've sometimes wondered, what problem is big to God? You know, I may have the world's, literally the world's biggest problem by mankind's standard. God created the universe. What, what would he look at any of my problems as? He holds the whole universe together. And, he, and I'm going to wait to give him a big problem in my life? Yeah, we need to get to this part that we understand that with God, nothing is impossible. 
and really live it out. When God says, I've got a challenge for you to do this, are we willing to step out and say, God, I'm going to walk out in what you say because nothing is impossible. And, you know, we can read all kinds of the stories of Christians and everything. The, the video referenced uh, John St. James and, uh, and um, yeah, the other guy that I can't remember, the Ecuador, Ecuadorian pilots that uh, got killed, you know, five of them. And then watch what God did to reach those Indians by their death when their wives went to still minister to the Indians. <laughs> you know, nothing is impossible. You know, what are we waiting for with God sometimes? Because I've, I've gone through this myself going, God, that is really hard. I don't know if I can do this. And you know what the answer is? No, I can't do it, but God can. And we need to be able to understand that God is ready and able to help. This is what he told Mary. Mary, I'm going to do the impossible. You are a virgin and you are going to have a baby. Not only is he going to be a baby, he is going to be a boy. Not only is he going to get to be a boy, but he tells her that his name was going to be Jesus. Now, he actually would have told her his name will be Yeshua, which is Joshua or Yahweh saves, the Lord saves. That's what Joshua means. And then he goes on to tell her that he's going to be the Messiah. This is what all this quoting in here, that he'll be, he'll be son of the highest. He will have the throne of David. His reign shall never end. He was quoting Isaiah at that time. He was quoting the promise, uh, the, David, the uh, covenant to David, that David, you will have a son that will sit on the throne forever. Uh, Isaiah said that he will reign forever. He will be called the son of the highest. All of these things, Mary was being told, you are giving birth to the Messiah. Now that would be kind of a scary thought, I, would, I think. How would you like to be the mother, especially, or even the father of the Messiah? Of God. <laughs> The one who's going to deliver the world into his power. You might be rather happy. Okay, good. My son's going to be famous. But you're also going to have to take care of that child. Teach that child. Get that child ready in some way to do great things. You know, I have no idea what it would have been like. And then... To have a son that has no sin nature that doesn't do any sinful activities is going to make it really hard for his brothers and sisters. Now, why can't you be more like Jesus? I feel sorry for his brothers and sisters. I'm sure they got that comparison more often than not. Now, he was a perfect firstborn child. That's what you expect. You know, we all compare our kids to our firstborn usually, especially if they're a good firstborn. Now, why can't you be more like you know, they weren't any problems. And Jesus literally would be no problem because he didn't have a sin nature. You know, I feel sorry for his brothers and sisters. But they have been getting the task of raising the Messiah. Now, we kind of take it for granted because he's been born, walked this world and all this. But before he was born, every young girl, especially in the tribe of Judah and of the the family of David was hoping that they would have the Messiah. 
Even to this day, the Jewish girls want to be the one that gives birth to the Messiah because they don't believe the Messiah has come yet. Now, they forget that you also have to be of the tribe of Judah and of the, tri and of the family of David. But they still want, maybe I'll be the one that has the Messiah. Maybe I'll be the one that gets birth to the Messiah. And Mary is told, you are giving birth to the Messiah. What joy had to have been in her heart on one side and what terror must have been in her heart? I'm going to, have, I'm going to give birth to the Messiah. Whoa, I've got to, I've got to take care of the Messiah. <laughs> I've got to train the Messiah. I've got to keep him alive and unhurt. <laughs> you know, in a time when young children were hurt frequently, they weren't cared for. Can you imagine... The joy on the one side, I've, I've given birth to the Messiah, on, and the terror on the other side. What a responsibility. And you know, when God calls us to do great things for him, even though it's him that's going to empower us, it's him that's going to lead us, there is an awesome responsibility involved in walking in faith and, and grace with God. Knowing that he has a plan, knowing that he's given us a plan, and knowing that we could mess it up at any time. And have to walk in even further in grace as God redeems that mess that we make. And the good news is that God can redeem anything that we do. And my favorite verse, as you all know, Romans 8, 28, for all things work together for good for those who love God and are called to do according to his purpose. And I love the fact that all things means all things. Doesn't mean all the things I do right. It means all things. Even if I totally make a mess out of something, God can make it work together for good. Uh, he's the only one that can. He can do a miraculous thing and make it work together for good. He can do really interesting things and work them out for good. But all things mean all things. Anything I do, don't do, he can work out together. Anything that's done to me or not done to me, he can make it work out for good. God, I need all this money to do it, and I'm not sure how it's going to happen. And God says, I'll take care of it. Now, maybe I have to work hard to get the money. Maybe somebody will give a gift. We don't know. God does what he wants to do. But the how is so important. God's power is what's important for us. And Mary is told that God will do it. And, you know, we look at this. This young girl is given this great message and she has two terrifying events yet to come in her life that it doesn't mention in the Bible, but I like to mention this anyway. She has to go tell her parents that she's pregnant. And she's got one other person that she has to tell, Joseph. And, you know, imagine, if you would, the conversation with her parents. Uh, Mom and Dad, an angel came to me and said that I'm going to be pregnant with, this, with the Messiah. And you can picture that, their parent, that her parents probably had a little bit of a problem with that. They're like all of us. They know that to get pregnant, you have to have intercourse with somebody. And they're going to go, okay, what have you and Joseph been up to? Now, we thought you were a good girl and he was a good man, and now you're telling us that you are pregnant. Didn't go over well. Would not have gone over well. And we know, we'll talk more about Joseph next week, but we know that Joseph really didn't think it was, was a very good idea. You know, he had been very disappointed because he, now he's, she's telling her, 
telling her fiance, I'm pregnant, and he's looking like, I know that I have not been in bed with you. How can you be pregnant? You know, what ends up happening when God calls us so often? Mary kind of gets isolated here. How many times do we get isolated when we step out to do a work for God? It's one of the things I warn people all the time. When they're going to step out for, for God, get ready for the attacks. People are going to go, you didn't do it the way I thought you should have done it. You didn't say, you didn't, you didn't accomplish it the way I think you should be doing it. Uh, Satan comes along and attacks you. He'll destroy, you know, give problems with friends and family and, and neighbors and whatever else. Uh, things will happen to your to your possessions, you know, Satan will try to do all these things to try to stop you. Mary was very much isolated for a while. So much so that she runs and goes visits Elizabeth for a little while. You know, and by the time she comes back, it's even worse because she's now starting to show when she comes back after three months. But she has been isolated and she goes and Elizabeth encourages her. Elizabeth says, you, you're pregnant with the Messiah. My son just jumped with joy at, the, at, your, at your call. She was encouraged. So when you're going to serve God, you're going to step out. Find those that are going to encourage you in what you're doing. Because it is very easy to be discouraged. You've got all kinds of people who are going to try to discourage you. Don't listen to those voices. Listen to God and get yourself encouraged by some, somebody else that is going to help you disciple that will encourage you. It is so important because it is easy to feel all alone when you're serving God. You can feel like, I'm the only one doing it. Jeremiah lamented about this several times. God, I'm the only one out here serving you. No one else is here. Elijah said the same thing. I'm the only one that's serving you. Now, those guys who are very famous prophets feel that way we're not going to feel any less at times. This is why we're told, forsake not the assembling of yourselves and so much more as you see the day approaching. I keep hearing so many Christian, you know, so-called Christians saying, well, I can be a Christian and not go to church. And I'm going, you are right. You can be a Christian without going to church. You will be a, a weak, emaciated, dead Christian, but you can be a Christian without going to church. If you want to have strength and encouragement and, and moving forward, you need to be part of a fellowship and be able to be encouraged by others. It doesn't necessarily have to be in a church building. You can have a church for four or five people at your own home or your own family. But you must have a church relationship with people because that is what is important. In the New Testament, all the churches were home churches. Now, some of them were pretty large, but they were all in homes. In some countries where you cannot meet freely, you have home churches that may only have 5, 10, 20 people in them because that's all you can get together at one time without drawing the authorities. But that's your church. That's the group that's going to encourage you. We need each other as the body of Christ to be able to walk with God because it is going to be so easy to fall short. And I've seen it happen over and over again where somebody will step out to walk with God, the attack will come upon them, and the next thing you know, you barely see them anymore around the church. Why? Because they have fallen into that whole, I'm alone, I'm the only one, God, woe is me. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't worth stepping out. It wasn't worth stepping out for you because look at all the problems that have happened to me since then.
We need to be encouraged because God wants to see us be strong. He gives us the opportunity through his Holy Spirit, number one. And I hear that, well, God and I can do anything. You're right, God and you can do everything, but your flesh is going to come against you and, and, and take you down if you're not with other people being encouraged. It is easy to fall. And we need to be very careful. I've been reading a lot of articles that, that they're now saying 38% of all pastors have thought seriously about quitting service because of how lonely they are. And that's scary. That's a scary thought that they are not working with their church, not working with other pastors to be encouraged. And it is hard sometimes, you know, when, you, when you're ministering and ministering and ministering and sometimes people don't say thank you, don't sit there care, and this is not our church, we have a good church. But there are churches where pastors just pour out and nobody, all they ever do is get criticism from their church. Now, well, you never visited me, you never did this, you never called, you never, you know, and we need to be very careful about that because we do not want to destroy somebody's service. Pray for them. Lift them up. Help them. You know, most pastors need help and need help to minister and do all the work. You know, our church is pretty easy because we have less than 20 people, so I can easily call most everybody and, and minister to people pretty easily. But I also work two jobs. You know, the bigger the church is, the, the church in the first century created deacons because there were so many people that needed help that the pastor, the, the, prophet, the, the apostles and pastors couldn't take care of everybody. They said, we need you guys to take care of the people because we're too busy ministering. And we need to keep in mind that if you're not seeing something that needs to be done, it might be that God is showing you something you need to step up in and say, this needs to be filled. This needs to be done because I need to be able to walk in that. And I can tell you in the past, I've had people go, well, the church needs to do such and such. I'm going, that's a great idea. Well, let me help you get it started. Well, I didn't want to start it. I go, obviously, God showed it to you as a need, so you must be the one that needs to start it. I'll help you get it through the church and go through the red tape of getting it all processed and, and get you help, but God has put it on your heart. You know, don't try to pawn it off on somebody else. And we all like to do that. We like to see a need and pawn it off on somebody else. Well, I know we need to do this, but I think they should do it. <laughs> now, I, I just don't want to do this. We, we all do that a lot. And we need to be careful that we're not doing that. If there's a need that you see and you think something needs to be done, I encourage you to share it with me. And I'll probably help you start getting it as a ministry. <laughs> Because I think it's important. If God has shown you a need, you are probably the person that needs to be looking at starting it. And we'll find other people that are seeing the need also to help out. But Mary, why was she chosen? By grace. How? By God's power. And then she sought out godly counsel by going to Elizabeth. So we need to be living our lives in the same way, knowing that when God gives us a call, it's by grace, that he will empower us, and then we also will seek out godly counsel and help to get things done. Lord, we ask you to bless this day. Lord, help us to see what you want us to do. Help us to respond. Help us to understand it's by grace and your power and be able to step out and honestly want to serve and seek you. And we thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.
Listening friends, do you know God? Not just know about him. Today is the day to decide to become his child. God loves you and Jesus came to die for your sins. In Romans 3.23 we are told, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all have sinned. God says the penalty for sin is death. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We sin and deserve death and hell. However, Romans 5.8 says, But God commended his love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God loves you so much, he died for us so that we can be forgiven and have eternal life. How do we do this? Romans 10.9-8 says that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Today is that day for you to come to God and truly know Him. Do you know Him? Do you want to know Him? Pray in your own words like this, God, I know that I am a sinner and deserve punishment. I believe that Jesus died to pay my sins. Forgive me and help me to turn from my sins and to live for you. If you have asked this of God and truly believe you are God's child and part of, of His family, we encourage you to do these things. First tell somebody that you are saved. Second, start reading the Bible each day. We recommend starting with Ephesians and then the Gospel of John. Find a good Bible teaching church. If this is your, your day of salvation, you can contact us and we will send you a booklet to get started on your new life and are available to help you with any questions you have about the Bible. You can contact us by email at office at chloridebaptistchurch.com or by mail at Chloride Baptist Church, P.O. Box 65, Chloride, Arizona, 86431.